If one day, like she looks at herself and hates her gap teeth, or the color of her hair, or the shape of her body, it would just kill me and I've been living like that. That's the life I've been living where, you know, we show our children how to navigate this world, right? Welcome to episode number 24 with master wedding and portrait photographer, Erina Negran. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy, but sisters, we are making it happen even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Erina Negran is a wedding and portrait photographer based out of Vancouver, Washington. She was born in Eastern Europe in a small country called Romania. Irina immigrated to the United States when her parents won the visa lottery in 2001. Irina graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in sociology and moved back to Vancouver to start her own photography company, specializing in wedding and fine art portraits. When her daughter was born, Irina felt a strong pull towards working with fellow mothers, young girls and women, in an effort to empower and uplift others. She focuses on changing the entire experience of being photographed for women everywhere, believing wholeheartedly that every woman deserves to be photographed deserves to feel empowered and feel beautiful, important, and brave. Irina's photography business has grown into a successful and highly rewarding dream come true, allowing her to photograph women from all walks of life, from every background and experiences. Her hope is to allow all women She photographs to see themselves in a new light, to appreciate all the things that make them unique, special, and amazing. In her spare time, Irina loves to spend time with the love of her life, her five-year-old daughter, Daniela. Irina is an avid reader, loves to hike, cook, travel and laugh as often as possible, especially with her hilarious family of weirdos. 
my beautiful tribe, please help me in welcoming the mother hustler who's mothering the world this week, Irina Negran. Welcome, everybody. This is Kareen Mills, your podcast host, and you are listening to the Mother Hustler podcast. Today is a wonderful day because I have my really good friend. Oh, you guys are going to love her. She is, she won't believe it, but I think she was born to speak in front of people to tell her story because she's really good at telling her story. Irina Negrian, did I say that right? Oh, oh I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> I love my <laughs> Yeah, that was perfect. Awesome. Welcome, Irina. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> we are so excited. I have listened. You spoke at Roar and, you know, and by the way, you can find her on YouTube. She had a really awesome speech and I loved every every process that you went through very resonated with me as an immigrant to this beautiful country that a lot of people take advantage of or a lot of people take for granted i should say yeah. so you know just walk us through your journey you know you can start wherever you want to start in your journey and i'll just extract questions so i don't necessarily have structures of questions I'll just extract it from the journey that you tell us, and then we'll take it from there. Sure, perfect. Um, so I was born in a small country in Eastern Europe called Romania. Most people don't know very much about it except Dracula, a fictional character. <laughs> the Romanians hate when people bring it up. And, um, and that we were communists up until like 29 years ago which would put me around at around like two, three years old when communism fell in our country. So I always tell people like, if you think communism is this like abstract concept, it's not, I, I lived through it and I'm young. And um, we have stories of my waiting in line, um, like they wouldn't even know what the line was for and they just get in that line. And sometimes you would you'd get like oranges, which were like so rare, or sometimes you'd wait in line for chicken feet and we would boil those and make soup out of them. Like the communists kept Romanians in like a state of like utter terror and fear. And it was just survival. And I think that living in that kind of uh, an environment really shaped who my parents were and who Romanians became, you know, in terms of privacy, in terms of uh, how people survive and what th thriving means. Like thriving means something totally different to an immigrant versus to to an american wouldn't you agree absolutely 100% yeah and i think that a lot of times it's pointed out how different immigrants are from americans i'm like it's because we've been shaped by the things that happened in our country and that was definitely the case in romania and so communism fell in um around the time that i was 3 years old and the revolution happened and we basically like oh, overthrew our government. We didn't wait for Americans to like pitch in and save us. We just kind of like, we took care of business, kicked them all out. We got and, You're like, we got this. 
<laughs> yeah, we got this. We're good. Like we're Romanians are go getters. We just take care of our own ish, you know. And uh, and I actually had a very happy childhood. I talked about that in more. I, I grew up very happy. I was very loved. Um, my parents are amazing human beings. <laughs> I don't say this lightly. I, I love a lot of people, but my parents are like God's bread on earth. I don't know how else to describe <laughs> them. Wicked smart, wicked funny. Um, and they raised my brother and I to be like super happy people, even though like all this stuff was happening, like our world was turning upside down. And all I remember is a happy childhood, summer spent in the countryside, uh, vacations at the Black Sea. Like I grew up very happy. And I think that the thing that my parents did that was the best for us was that um, they didn't let our, our environment shape us. They shaped us. Wow. And I think like the love that was in our family and the sense of humor, none of us take ourselves too seriously. Uh, we're silly and goofy and that really shaped who I became. And it kind of gave me the skill to blend in any environment and kind of assimilate easily because I can make fun of myself all day long. And if you're laughing at me, then we're friends. And like, <laughs> what better way to bond with another human being than to just I... put them like, look, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. <laughs> I love that about you because it really breaks the ice a lot, you know, um, yeah. you know, when you're in a room sometimes with women and women as we are, um, can be judgmental with each other. And, um, I think that a lot of the revolution that's happening now that we're empowering each other instead of judging each other are just now starting to be very popular but it started long time ago we just haven't grasped this whole idea of oh if we actually lock arms together we are the shit <laughs> i got goosebumps Woo! you know and yeah. so i want to i want to talk a little bit about how you were raised happy though because I think that a lot of people can learn from how you were raised because, yeah. um, you know, with very commercialized, I truly believe that in America, the holidays were created by the stupid corporations <laughs> yeah. because every holiday you're supposed to dump money on whatever Christmas. I mean, there's a holiday for everything here. And yeah. the way that we, and I know that when we had coffee, it's very parallel to your experience. Mm -hmm. that the way that we enjoyed holidays in our country was more of passing food around, enjoying each other's company, being chaotic within each other. But that was not chaotic crisis. It was more chaotic, happy. And it was like we just thrived when we were in each other's company, especially when there's food around. Yep. And so, um, you know, I want you to let the world know that you don't need a lot. And we talked about being minimalists. I, you know, if you, if you watch the picture that I spoke on stage and I totally forgot to share this on stage because sometimes when you get on stage, you're just you look confident to other people, but you know what, girlfriends, inside you, it's like there's a war going on. <laughs> there's a war going on, World War Three going on in there. So I forgot. And, and if you've seen my, my, um, the clothes that I wore, 
in there. Everybody thought they look expensive, they're beautiful, they're wonderful, but they came from Goodwill. And, you know, the fall jacket that I wore had a ticket on them. It's all brand new. So I go to Goodwill and hunt for brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. And stuff that still has tickets on them, you know, like the jacket I wore was $49, a Target brand. You got it for $12.99 from Goodwill. The overalls and like the bodysuit that I wore under it was $12.99. It was like had a tag, a designer tag that was $59.99. And, you know, talking about being minimalist and also being frugal, Mm -hmm. I think we become that because we came from that environment where you don't have to have a lot to be happy. Yeah. Talk about that. Talk about that. We really don't have options. Like, wouldn't you agree? Like, I don't know how other countries, but we didn't have apparel stores like, like, um, like old Navy or target. There was nothing like that. All we had that was brand new and from the West was secondhand stores. So, How are you going to grow up to spend $250 on jeans when you've been spending, you know, you've been buying secondhand in Europe, you know? Yeah. It hurts me when I do that. Like, or even when I hear someone do that, I, I don't do that. Um, I mean, it hurts me to buy an iPhone, (laughs) but it's, it's a requirement. It's like a necessary evil. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I love how you said you were raised happy. Yeah, I think, I think even in the times where I had money and money was no object, I was kind of hesitant to invest money in things like that. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to everything, but, but I was raised to value certain things and the rest of the stuff matters, but not nearly as much. So I, of course, later on in life, like now that I'm in my 30s, I became a minimalist because when you strip all the BS and all of the things that don't really matter, the only thing that stays is family, uh, people you love and people who make your life more beautiful, your health, your relationship with the universe, and the rest is just fluff. Mm. Like, why would you why would you work towards this certain lifestyle that really won't add to it. I've been wealthy, I've been poor, I've been somewhere in between, and none of that has affected my happiness. My happiness has been determined from the moment I was born by my family, and that's because of how I was brought up. Yeah. You know? And like you said, like family, like holidays for us mean something totally different. And we talked about this when we had coffee. Like presents, like forget presents. Do you know the kind of food that is on our table every Christmas or every Easter? Like who cares about the presents? It's who cares just, about that stupid little egg hunt? Keep them. I'm cool. It's fun for the kids, but, um, but I think we're shaping our kids in a very different world when we, when we practice those things. Yeah, it's our practice that shapes them. It's not what we give them and what we buy them. Right. So tell us about Irina as a teenager. And, you know, you finally came to America. Or, or yeah. wait, you were 20? I was 14 when I moved here. So um, my parents won the visa lottery in 2001. And we moved here in, on July 18th, 2001. And I was 14 years old and I was 
I was conflicted. I, I mean, I, I remember being excited, but you know, I, we, we just left everything that was familiar. We had a very happy life and it took a long time for me to understand why my parents would move us across the world away from, you know, our structure away from our, because the way that things work in Europe is you have neighbors, you have friends, you know, the whole neighborhood, you know, everybody's cousin and their cousin and, uh, my parents had great jobs and they were very successful. So it, it, it just boggled my mind that they would just uproot us like this. But now, I, of course, I understand. Um, but I was 14 and I just wanted to blend in. I did not want to stand out. I did not want to be like sticking out like a sore thumb. You know, I just wanted to disappear in the crowd. Wow. And that was because... In Romania, being a girl is, is held to such a high standard, it felt impossible for me. It felt like there was no way that I was going to be a girl and be okay the way that I was. And so to some extent coming here, I could disappear. Mm. It just didn't matter how much I weighed, uh, how I looked, how my hair looked, the color of my skin, none of that mattered. And I had experience, I experienced like for the first time coming here into eighth grade, just complete <laughs> anonymity. Like nobody knew who I was, nobody knew anything. And to some extent it was like intoxicating because when something like this happens, you get to redefine who you are. And I think that getting a chance to reclaim who you are is so powerful. And we have opportunities in our lives and I think you can let them break you or you can let them redefine you. Yeah. You know. So when in your life you discovered Irina, because you said oh. when you came to America, you had <laughs> disappeared in a crowd. Yeah. And you didn't. You kind of quieted your voice. Mm -hmm. But the Irina that I know now makes sure she is heard. Right. So when did you find that version of you along the way? So I gave birth to my daughter on April 21st, 2013. And it took some time, but around the time that I, we, and we've, I've talked about this with you before, um, around the time that her teeth came in, uh, we started noticing that she had gap teeth like me. And I remember, I don't usually, I have horrible memories. So I don't usually remember uh, important monumental moments in my life. But this one kind of stood out to me because I remember sitting down with her. She was napping. And I was thinking, God, like, I hated my teeth all of my life. And all I heard was criticism. I was teased. I was made fun of. I hated them. And they were like it's not something you can hide. You can't like put a shirt over it. And when I saw that my beautiful daughter that I'd wanted all my life that I'd waited for, I, I, you know, I always say like, I feel like I've known my daughter before she was even a thought in our head. And I thought if one day, like she looks at herself and hates her gapped teeth or the color of her hair or the, the, the shape of her body, it would just kill me. 
And I've been living like that. That's the life I've been living where, where, you know, as mothers, we show our children how to navigate this world, right? The way we love ourselves is the way they love themselves. And for me, in that moment, I felt like I was at a crossroads where I could just kind of, you know, shrug my shoulders and say like, you know, you make mistakes and you hope that you raise them right and you hope that things work out or I could finally live how I would want her to live. And I, I could start loving myself the way I'd want her to love herself. So she kind of became this compass for me to kind of find myself. Because like you said, I just kind of toned everything down and I just wanted to disappear. But when she was born, I was like, screw that. <laughs> like screw all of it to hell. Because I have a daughter to show this world to. I have a daughter to introduce into this world and I'll be damned if I sit on my ass and let this world break her or change her or mold her. And that meant that I had to start talking. And it meant that I had to be honest about who I was. It meant that I had to make my peace with who I was because nobody loves everything about themselves, but you can get to a good place where you feel comfortable in your own skin. And I think that a lot of people don't have that. And I think that that was a defining moment for who I am as a person, as a woman, and as a human being in this world. I think when you become a mom, you just want to make the world a better place for your kids. And, and that defines me to my core. I want to leave the world better. Oh, no. that just, Ugh. you're singing my song. It's like yeah. music in my ears. Don't you think that like all mothers when we become mothers, like suddenly you care about politics, you care about culture, you care about family, you care about these things that you never cared about. Like all I cared about was like happy hour. Like I didn't care about, you know, the world could do whatever and I wanted no part of it. But now I'm like, no, I have to be the change. Otherwise my daughter has to be the change. And I want to make the world, I want to start paving a path for her to walk. You know? This is why you are on this podcast <laughs> because you are a mother hustler oh yeah yes you are and <laughs> I love that because that really resonated with me my talk this weekend was titled don't just lead influence mm -hmm. because I think as a mom as a wife as a community leader it is I said leadership I heard another thought leader, Jason Maiden, that says leadership is a position, but influencing someone, including your husband, your family, or your daughter, or your sons, whatever, it, like you don't have to be this big deal of an influencer to influence someone. Yeah. You can begin at home. And he said that, Leadership is a position while becoming an influence mm -hmm. is a behavior. Ooh, and like so when you behaved a certain way, you start influencing people. Mm -hmm. And that's why we say we build a tribe. We attract the, the people that really accepts us who we are. And, you know, whatever you have this self negative thought of yourself, because you're not enough, you're not good enough. You're not thin enough. You're not big enough. You're not, your hair is not dark enough. You're not blonde. Whatever it is that we go through, it doesn't fucking matter. No. What matters is 
that you love yourself. And I said that the secret to becoming a person of influence is falling in love with yourself. Mm. Oof, I got chills. And I think that that was the defining moment for you. Exactly what I just said is you fell in love with yourself. And some of us, because I told my Southeast Asia backpacking trip and that that's how I look for myself. Mm-hmm. I left the country and did this crazy 30-day backpacking trip in June. And some of us have to do that to find ourselves. Yeah. Some of us have this defining moment when we look at the image of our own, which was the way that you did with your daughter, mm-hmm. you know? So you were raised happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was raised to, raising Danny? to take myself seriously. How are you raising Danny that is similar but yet different than how your parents raised you? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. Because um, we always tweak the things. So we take it with a grain of salt, right? And we, we raise, we mirror our parents the way they raised us. But we also have our own journey that allows us to apply some of the things that I think that's going to be good to add to that. So that's kind of what I meant. Um, that's a great question. I think, cause you hear a lot of times when you talk to other mothers, you talk about how you were brought up and how you want to raise people. And, um, I think that it's important to talk about the things that are similar that you carry into your style of motherhood, but the things that you choose to change and it, for me being raised happy and having a happy childhood, you know, I was raised by a woman who became my best friend. I go to the movies with my mom. I tell her everything. There's nothing that my mom doesn't know. If I'm moving a chair, I'm rearranging my furniture. My mom knows about it. If I have a bad day, my mom will call me. I am so lucky to have a best friend in my mom. And I definitely kind of really wanted to carry that in my relationship with my daughter, with Danny, because it is such um, a comforting thought to know that within my mother lies my best friend, my soulmate. And it meant so much to me to bring that into my relationship with Danny and kind of make space in our amazing friendship for her. Because for me, no matter what I went through, no matter where I went, I always had my mother's love that was unconditional. Man, you warned me and I was, mm. uh, Here comes the Kleenex that you didn't My mom will bring on the waterworks. Um, I wanted Danny to have that kind of love because I think talking to girlfriends and doing what I do now and working with women, I hear so many women say they had awful relationship with their relationships with their mothers or, or absent mothers or mothers who always criticize them. And I was like, I had no idea that moms were anything less than like the most amazing thing. And, and, and I want Danny to have that because I think that the thing that defined me the most was having unconditional love. I could murder somebody and my mom would be like, where are we hiding the body? Like, no judgment. Like, we'll talk about how crazy you are later, but for now, 
get the bleach bottle. We gotta hide the body. Like, and my mom's a good, respectful Romanian woman. She'd be like, okay, get your gloves. <laughs> you wouldn't even think twice. And like, the, I mean that. My mom loves me unconditionally. I could say that I want to chop off my arm tomorrow, and she'd be like, okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> And I wanted Danny to have that because I think that what women need is unconditional love, mm. not to be told to be perfect, which is, I think, what we've been doing with the generations before us. And I think maybe you'll agree. We're held to this totally separate standard than boys. Girls are supposed to be quiet. They're supposed to be respectful. They're supposed to be meek and little and quiet and um, second place kind of. And I think that there was a kind of like a pushback, like, no, girls should be up front. I think, and this is a revolutionary concept, I think that girls should be whatever the hell they want to be. Because we've been pushed in every direction, and I think that this generation is saying, enough! Like, we're doing, we're doing shit how we want to do it. And, and I want to raise Danny like that. So that means... I have to constantly check myself. Don't put preconceived notions on your child. Don't put your dreams and your goals on your child. I have to do that every single day because I don't want her to be a carbon copy of me or a better version of me. God, no. I want her to be her, like the best her she can be. I don't care if she's totally opposite than me or if she follows in every single footstep, as long as she's true to herself because like you talk about this all the time, to, to know yourself in this world, there's nothing more revolutionary than to know yourself, to be like unswayed by anything around you, to be kind yeah. of like singing in the storm, you know? Yeah, you have to sing your own song. And although I said that you're, you're singing my song, but I, I'm just saying that that's like, I could relate to you. Yeah. But you have your own voice you have to allow that voice to come through and i think a lot of times we are scared of being judged and i had a, a guest here who's very very super ultra spiritual and she talks about how the earth is shifting like if you look at a lot of these spiritual guru they look at the earth and like literally the light of the earth are shifting and i don't know how to explain it but she she was amazing and she talked about you know um a lot of like how a lot of moms that's that are um part of this revolution now that we're raising our children in a very different way and she said that when you look at the earth and the shift that's happening you can directly um relate that to what's happening in society like us specifically as mothers of how we're just waking up to this societal expectation and we are done with it and we are not putting up with it and we're raising our kids the way in a way that that a lot of uh, most americans have never done before and i say you know what's funny and i i can hear your mom doing the same thing it's like we've been my my parents and my grandma have been doing it for a long time and America is just now waking up to it you yeah. know and we talked a lot about you know a lot of like 
divorces that are happening because of the older generation to where they look at women as a second class citizen, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're looking at women and it's our freaking time. We're looking at women as these free, do whatever you need to feel energized, you know, in this world, own your space, make sure your voice is, is heard. And our daughters and our sons are seeing that and our next generation of men are going to be so amazing. Just wow. like the next generation of women are going to, they're going to be all in the same, on the same page because of the revolution that are happening right now. And we, oh, that makes me so excited because it truly doesn't happen right away. It has just been this little revolution that led to finally with social media, with all these technological um, advancement, we're able to lock arms with people that are in Poland. Like I developed a friendship in Poland with this woman that's a mother hustler that was on my podcast. I have a friend in Switzerland. Like, it's just like, wow, okay, this is it. And we can't allow this to pass and we have to own this. We all have to get this done for our next generation. I agree. And I think that, oh, I just, I just lost my train of thought because I was so wrapped up in what you were saying, but, but this new generation that we're, we're shaping, don't you think that like kind of when you become a mother, it, you kind of become connected to every single human being? Like I had Danny and all of a sudden I felt like I'm everybody's mother. Like the moment I became a mother, if I see a mother, you know, struggling with a screaming toddler, I feel a moral obligation to pick up that kid by the foot and just like, look, do your thing. I got him until like you got your ish together. I feel like I have a moral obligation to human beings everywhere. Because if there's one thing that motherhood did for me is that it connected me to the world in a totally unique way. It wasn't about blending in or standing out. It was just about connecting to other human beings. Because when you connect with your child or when you get to have this relationship, if you hadn't learned until that point, it helps you learn how you can belong in this world. And I think that that's what mothers get, like this great gift that we get to have. And obviously not everyone is fortunate enough to be a mother or chooses to have a mother, to be a mother. Like that's, but I think for me, becoming a mother made me a better person. It, it in a way made, I never could have been. Yeah, it upgraded my humanity. <laughs> don't you think? Like, in, in a way that I don't think it would have taken years for me to get to this mindset uh, where I care about everyone the same way I care about my daughter. I, I always tell people when I photograph you, I want to make you feel the way I would expect another photographer to make my daughter feel. And that's the reason behind what I do because the way that I treat the world is the way I want the world to treat Danny. And like, imagine what kind of a world we would have if we all loved other people the way we love the person we love the most. I say that or, all the time. Or we, we teach our kids and raise our kids to love themselves too first, you know? It's, um, what a concept. It's, it's a great concept. And uh, Oprah Winfrey talks about this all of the time. 
time. Like you have no right to be giving anything if you're not full of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I love it when people call me that you're full of yourself because that has a negative tone on it. But she believes that being full of yourself is actually a positive thing because you cannot give unless you have it. You can't give what you don't have. She says, you can't love someone if you don't love yourself. And it's, uh, it's just been, it's, it's an easy concept, but it's truly very difficult to embrace for a lot of people. And I think it's a lot easier for us moms to embrace it because we want to teach it to our kids. We are looking at life through our kids' lenses yeah. when you become a mom. Yeah. And, and because we've been kids before, right? And so we know exactly what that transition from, you know, five to six to seven, I mean, they start. And even when they're in the womb, they absorb things that they hear um, because they have a life already. They have a, a brain that's developing. And the more those brain develops, it develops the sense of, um, it absorbs like these information as they're developing. And it really um etch it in their mind you know just like you would carve something on a rock it's carving it in their brain whether we say that's true or not it's been proven by science so yes. so you talk about photography yeah and i know that you used to have a uh you know from society's expectation you used to have this job high paying job and you realize that your calling is to make women just like you're making your daughter feel good validating her that she can be whoever she wants and she's beautiful the way she is mm -hmm. and you do that to all of your clients and every single woman that you photograph mm -hmm. by showing them that they can that it's true when you show them their photograph and then they feel good and ready to take on the world after they, after you deliver that piece. Mm -hmm. How did you get to this career that you are in? Um, and tell us a little background because I want to inspire other women. Um, one of the, the mission that I have is to mother the world, period. Because I think the world needs mothering yeah. to make the world a better place, but I can't do it alone. And that's why I have you and many other moms, because we, as, as, as a demographic mother hustlers, I created a new demographic. <laughs> I like it, as long as I'm a part of it. <laughs> we as mother hustlers can do it together, faster and better together. So to inspire other moms that may have found what what energizes them? Because I, I heard um, Mel Robbins, the five second rule. Have you read her book? I haven't, but I know the. Uh, I know about it. So she said that she did, she doesn't believe in a purpose or a passion because in every single path that you go through in life, in every single chapter that you go through in life, is that you have something that energizes you, and you do what energizes you in that chapter of your life. So your passion can change, you know, you based on the version of you that's doing something. So how did you find out that, that taking photographs, specifically taking photographs of women to empower them, to show them how beautiful they are, no matter 
what they think they look like. Um, how did you f stumble upon that? Because I, a lot of us stumble upon our purpose and our passion. Well, I tell everyone that up until I discovered photography, I never felt like I knew what my calling was. I was average at everything in school. I was a straight A student. I, I tried hard at everything I did. And I did okay in everything with a slight edge in art. Mm -hmm. um, but I never felt like, you know, when people are like, I'm just so pumped, I'm gonna be a, uh, I'm gonna be a doctor when I grow up or I'm gonna be a lawyer. I would like flip flop through a million different things. Uh, and I ended up going to college just for the sake you know, because I'm a child of an immigrant, like not going to college is not a choice. They'll send me to Pennsylvania for all I care, you know. Uh, and I went to University of Washington uh, with trying to get a degree in um, foreign languages. I changed my mind six times. Uh, I thought I was never going to graduate, managed to graduate on time with a degree in sociology. And I think that that was a, like a little bit of an... Uh, like a little clue into how my life would shape out because I think sociology attracted me because I liked this concept of looking at society as a whole and mm -hmm. noticing trends and evolving and learning and growing from that and also creating social change. Um, so I'm not sorry that I went to college for something that I'm not using because I think I am using it to a certain degree. You know, I got, a different perspective on humanity and uh, on society. And so I don't regret it, but um, I'd always felt that something was missing. I never felt like I was normal. I, I, I felt like, like something was wrong with me that I was broken. And, you know, last year in college, you should be like, yeah, this is my life and I know exactly how it's gonna be. And you know, you're like, I'm in my twenties. If I haven't figured it out by now, I should be dead, right? Like, like <laughs> You could be 30 and still confused as shit. Like, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Um, but I had this little voice in my head that I think a lot of us ignore. And it was a voice that kept saying like, art, art, art. But, but in Europe, being an artist is frowned upon because it doesn't make you money unless you're, you're money driven. And um, I... I just ignored that voice for as long as I could. And in senior year, um, it was spring. We were, I was graduating University of Washington and we were going um, on vacation in Hawaii. I'd met my then boyfriend. Um, and I said, do you think like maybe we should get like a fancy digital camera for like no reason, just to have it. But in my mind, I was like, I was spinning wheels that I didn't even know that I was spinning you know and i got my camera and i get goosebumps thinking about it the first time i held the camera i just heard <laughs> and and i know i'm hearing voices but but literally i heard a voice just like run through my body saying yes it was downloaded into you i do the same it is unbelievable <laughs> it was like a surreal like akin to giving birth to danny that was the most monumental moment i held that crappy camera in best buy i remember what i was wearing i remember the moment and i i just felt like yes like a, a piece just like fell into place in that moment and and then I just had to like admit to my family, like, I think I want to be a photographer. And they're like, you have like $25,000 in debt. <laughs> what are you going to do? 
And uh, I just didn't care. I shot my first wedding the year that I graduated from University of Washington for $100. Wow. And, and I remember my feet were aching. I, my, I had back pain and I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Like I, I finally felt something that I was passionate about. And so I became a wedding photographer and still, and so of course, you know, I became a photographer and I was like, that's it. I found my calling. Everything's going to be perfect from now on. Nobody tells you <laughs> about the journey, the, the ups and downs. And I was like, now everything's perfect. Right. <laughs> and so, um, years later I got married and, and I really wanted to have a baby and I had Danny and, and motherhood taught me the harshest lesson lesson which was that it can be so lonely it mm. can be so dark and we we haven't been talking about it we are talking about it now we're talking about postpartum depression we're talking about body uh, how fast you bounce back or if you you should you know breastfeeding we're talking about all this shit that we never talked about even 10 years ago yeah. you know so this is like brand new yeah and I felt so lonely and so depressed. And, and I don't think that I had postpartum depression, but I felt so much guilt and shame about giving birth early. And I took that on as my, my fault because girls are taught to be perfect. So if you do anything that's less than perfect, you are conditioned to shame yourself. You don't need anybody to shame. You don't need society because you know plenty how to put yourself down. And as I was coming out of my darkness, um, I had the courage to speak up to my best friend whom I didn't even tell anything to until Danny was about two, uh, because I didn't think that I needed, I didn't think that I deserved to be saved, which is the most awful, sad thing that most women can relate to that. You don't even think you're worthy of getting help. And I told her how I felt. And she said, I mean, you're a photographer. Use what you've been given to express yourself. And I was like, I don't want to like photograph this feeling. I want to fix this feeling. And she said, then do that. So, so I started photographing women. And I realized that everything that I've been given by God or the universe was a tool. I talk too much. I'm a goofball. I make fun of myself. I make self-deprecating jokes on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, these are all things that make women feel at ease. You these are all things. Yeah. They make women feel comfortable. And so it clicked all the things that I've been given that I've been told that I talk too much, that I'm too loud, that I'm too, too much. These were things that I could use to empower other women. So I started a studio. I opened up a studio in my own house and I started photographing women. I started showing them that really any woman can look beautiful. It's just a matter of good lighting, a good photographer, and getting those, those real reactions, those real smiles, those genuine emotions captured on camera. Anyone can be beautiful, anyone. There, I have not yet met a woman that came with me with an open mind and an open heart that I could make look amazing, you know? You are not a good photographer. You're a badass photographer. <laughs> I, I like that. I'll take that. Thank you. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Wow. Thank you. That is so um, inspiring because there's a lot of, like you talk about this voice that we hear a lot mm -hmm. and it's always in the whispers, right? It's like a whisper, mm -hmm. never mm -hmm. a loud voice. 
yep. and talk about how crazy we are because we hear voices. <laughs> but I, okay. <laughs> I bet you that someone is listening and say, okay, I'm not the only one who hears voices. <laughs> so I know you're out there. Um, you, you better just listen to that quiet voice. And it's funny because a lot of these little clues, because we try to block that voice. Okay, I have a degree in this. I need to do this, the thing that's aligned with my degree. Yeah. Not the thing that's aligned with my soul. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm not listening to you. We do that all the time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But the thing of it is, is that no matter how we steer in a different direction, there's these, this is why adversities come up. This is why hardship comes up because we're- we You're didn't, pushing against the grain. Yes. And, and yesterday there was a dying woman that spoke in Spark, the Spark events. She said that because this is her third um, diagnosis, she was, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2015. She became cancer-free with all the treatments. Then she got re-diagnosed a second time, then cancer-free. And the third time, she said that she could do all the treatment, but she's tired of fighting. And she said, I'm not quitting. I'm just tired of forcing it. And I'm... She says, I am now at peace with just going with the flow instead of the force. And, and it's, she had two weeks to live. And like, you could just see her face very at peace with her decision to not go through treatment. And sometimes that could be perceived as being selfish, you know, like, especially with your families and your friends and whatnot. But when she spoke, like there was never a time that she broke down and cry, which you would imagine with someone going through that. She really was at peace with her decision and she's ready to pass through to the other side. And for me, I've always lived my life since I had the awakening and the transformation. And when I started it in 2012, like late 2012 with my grandmother passed and I couldn't go home because my business owned me, I didn't own it. Um, but it had never been so clear to me until I heard it from a dying woman, you know? And so with you trying to not listen to the photographer calling, and there was just these little clues though, when we go to the wrong path, there's always that little clue. It's almost like a breadcrumb with a little, what is that? Um, Hansel and Gretel story. Yeah. Yep. It's almost like a, this breadcrumb that says, I'm still here, that that little voice is still here. Here's a breadcrumb. I'm never going away. You're ignoring me. Be careful. Right. Yeah. So I, I love your story about how you like just say, you know what? I'm going to become a photographer and empower women that no matter what they look like, they're going to look good. And, and I just want to say to anyone that is listening, if you think that you're gonna decide to listen to your voice and it's gonna feel normal or natural or good, girl, <laughs> I got another thing coming. Like you got another thing coming. It doesn't, chasing your dreams doesn't feel like, like, you know, a choir of angels coming down. It feels scary. It feels confusing. 
you're like telling yourself like I'm gonna like bankrupt my entire family this is stupid I'm not using like you said I'm not using my degree the the voices are gonna get louder because I feel like the truth is whispered to you the lies are shouted at you which is why we feel like we're screamed at when we criticize ourselves, when we tell ourselves that we're not good enough, that we're worthless, that where we come from defines who we are, that how we look like defines who we are. It's shouted at us. Or your bank head. defines yeah. who you are. You can't do this. It's not the right time. You need to wait for a better time. Your kids are too small. You're selfish. You're a terrible mother. They're screamed at you. But the truth comes at you in a whisper. And oh, if you're just brave enough to do it, if you're just oh, brave enough to be honest with yourself, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy, but it's so much worth it. It's energizing. And that's what Mel Robbins says. Do what energizes you. Yes. You know, follow that energy. Listen to that energy. The energy is so quiet. Um, that's why I meditate. That's why I get quiet. Like I take a pause during my day to just have like deep breath, deep breathing because, or squatting or just whatever it is that you can do to be quiet, whether you're drinking tea in a quiet room, because the whispers, that's when you can, you can hear it and you can hear it loud and clear. Yeah. But I always say, what if it was all made up and from this moment on, you can make it up yourself. What would you do? Oh, oh, that's so good. What if it's all made up and and it's all false? Because truthfully, the past has gone, has passed. So from this moment forward, if you get to make up your story and make it all up, how would you do it? How would you design it? Right? Yeah, I love that. I I heard somebody say that the past and the future don't exist. They're myths. And that was, at first I was so confused. I was like, well, I plan for the future all the time. And then I spent, spent most of my nights reliving past mistakes. So the past is damn real, if you ask me. I'm like, I can't believe I did that in the second grade. I'm a horrible human being, you know? And um, the more I thought about it, the truer it rings. That there's absolutely you can come you can spend your nights thinking about all of the things that you did wrong, or you could sleep. <laughs> I or, have killed I, I have killed myself in a lot of my worries <laughs> yes. many times. And if you ever get a chance to listen to how to stop worrying and start living, it's an oldie but a goodie. Mm -hmm. And there's an audiobook for free on YouTube. It really is the whole truth about worrying and how much we, we have killed ourselves over and over and over again in just this thought process that we go through. Oh, or your, your family. Oh, I, I can't let so-and-so go there because something's going to happen. It's that we're forcing life instead of allowing life to flow. Oh, yeah. So, um Oh, I could literally have you on the podcast again. <laughs> like, there's, I'm ready. You know, I don't, I don't have a set question, and I just kind of like so overwhelmed with questions right now. I don't know which one to start. <laughs> but then I have like we're at nine fifty nine, and I want to honor your I'm time. Good. So, so my question um, to you right now, with 
everything that's going on, are you happy? I have, I had to take a second to breathe because we tend to answer automatically in our culture mm -hmm. and in our society. I think that I can honestly tell you that I'm happy, but it's not like this place where I'm at in life. Mm -hmm. It's that I choose to be happy no matter what happens to me. There are good days, there are bad days, but I'm always happy because I know who I am and what I have to give this world. I know what my mission here is, and I know that I'm loved unconditionally. I have everything I could ever want. And like I said, the rest is fluff, so yes. I, I am truly, truly no bullshit happy. Somebody said that happiness is fleeting mm. and it's temporary and that growing is the most happy most people really are when you're growing. And sometimes growing comes with the good days and the bad days, the good moods and the bad moods. Yeah. The bad hair day and the good hair day, yeah. you know, and so, so growing is not perfection, but you're making progress and it is in progress that I think that as human beings, we're satisfied and being satisfied is what makes us happy and being fulfilled is what makes us happy. So I love that the way you answer that and how you took a little bit of time and took a deep breath to answer that because you, you well thought out what you were about to say. I love you even more. <laughs> Is that even possible? I mean, it's... like flaring with love. <laughs> so well, I love you. Um, I think what you're doing is, is phenomenal. And I think that you are one of those like bringers of change. Um, and I think that people thank like you. you are so important. And I, I, I put people like you on a pedestal and and when I see somebody like you who changes the status quo, who changes like how things are and empowers other women, like we are, we are supposed to be pushing you forward so that you can keep leading more women. I think like, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, what you do is so important. And you are somebody that I would want my daughter to look up to. And that says a lot. And that we lock arms. So we're on the same level. We're all on the same level. And the rock, the rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson is a real name, his real name, right? He always said that he heard this saying that it's good to be important. So I appreciate that you said that to me, but it's more important to be kind. Well, it's, it's, it's great to be important, but it's more important to be great and to be kind to others. Yeah. So, um, I appreciate and I receive everything that you had said to me, but I, I want you to know that that I'm I will always make time for you. And I've heard some people that says I'm too busy, but all you have to do is ask for my time and I will give it to you. Mm -hmm. Um I always when people say, Do you have a minute? I always say I don't have a minute, but I can make a minute. I time doesn't control me, I control time. So it's uh it's just you know, I think as a as a woman too, we're so afraid to ask. You know, especially when someone is super busy in their life. And maybe I need that break, right? To have a conversation with you. Maybe yeah. I'm too busy and I need that 
I need someone to ask me to take a break. You know, yeah. sometimes you just never know. You just have to, like you, you have to get your voice heard. You can't just assume. So question for you. Mm -hmm. If your mother was listening, what message would you tell her? Oh. <laughs> My mom will be listening. <laughs> She'll find this. There you go. Because she knows everything. <laughs> she, she knows everything. She's like the almighty. <laughs> it, if I had to say anything to my mom, it's just, oh God, everything I do, it's to make you proud. So as long as that my compass is to be a good human being and a good example for Danny and to make sure that every sacrifice my mother made was worth it. So I, I want to be the best version of myself because I know my mom loves me unconditionally. And I know that the only way that I need to honor her sacrifices is to be happy. Oh, and what a gift she gave me. That's, I, I'm so, so grateful that she never once tried to change me or shape me into anything else. She just loved me the way I am. That's like, the, the greatest testament of what kind of a mother she was that she, she she's been <laughs> that wow. she can she just let me be me wow. I, lo I love that story that you shared about when you were a teenager and you, and you threw a fit and your mom just took yeah. your town and drive you and I'm like wow what a mother yeah and yeah she, I, I I was being such a drama queen and and my mom just like shoved me in the car. A boy had just broken my heart and she shoved me in the car and we just drove and drove and drove. And I thought I was going to get like this speech or something, you know, that she's going to give me some advice. But I think that she knew what I am becoming very aware of as a woman is that our children already know the right thing and they already know the answer. What they need is more love. They don't need answers. You don't need to fix them. You don't need to give them information. They're smarter than us anyways. Yes. I they know. just need love. <laughs> yeah, like, we live with some terrorists in our house, don't we? <laughs> like, right, um, you know, we talk about our moms, and we love them to death. And I think, I think that we become really great moms because of our moms, too. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's very evident with how you were raised and how you're raising Danny. What is that one thing that annoys you to death that your mother do? <laughs> oh. Can of worm. <laughs> okay, so uh, the most annoying is, I think, her driving. She drives like a squirrel. <laughs> and she's like, oh, God, oh, something's over there. And she won't, like, she's... Uh... But the other thing that she does is that she, like, brain ninjas me. And like when I was a teenager, she'd go like, oh, are you leaving the house? And I would be like, yes. And she's like, oh, and you're going to wear that? Okay, if, if that's what you want. And then I'd go change because obviously she wasn't happy. It's the brain ninja because she's so much smarter than me. And she's just like, she just karate chops my brain. <laughs> I love that. I love brain ninja. <laughs> so my kids Google me all the time. And it's so funny. They Google me all the time. If Danny was listening, what would you tell Danny? That being her mom has been the greatest honor. 
that it defines who I am to my core and that my love for her will never end. Do you know, a few days ago, Danny came up to me and she said, um, mommy, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what did you break? <laughs> and she goes, I don't want to have babies. And I was like, okay, well, you're five. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and she goes, no, I love babies. And if you wanted to have more babies, I'd take care of them. But I don't ever want to have a baby of my own. Wow. And so... I go, I just looked at her and I was like, okay, why are you telling me? She said, because I'm really scared that you're going to be sad that you're not going to be a grandma. She's five people. And she's like worried about the consequences of her. Like, and oh so, my gosh. And I go, Danny, you could have zero children or you could have 50 children or you could adopt or you could have dogs or you could find like blue aliens and raise them as your own. I don't care there's nothing that you could do that would make me love you any less. And she said, took a deep breath and she goes, okay, good. Can we go to Chipotle? And I was like, so that's my relationship with Danny. For me, she can do no wrong. She could not is blue aliens. And I'd be like, cool. <laughs> what are we naming them? <laughs> I love it. I love, I love, love, love it. So the last question I have, mm -hmm. what is your definition of a mother hustler? Ooh, I think that a mother hustler is a mother who teaches her children how to chase dreams. Mm. I think that a, a mother hustler is somebody who is obviously a mom of any kind. Um, mm. And is living bravely. I think that to me, it means that she's not simply um, existing. She's not simply surviving. She's, she's living the best life that she can live. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy or that it's perfect, but she's doing what she loves and she's setting an example and she's like intrinsically aware that she's being watched. That's what hustler means to me watched by your children yeah 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 <laughs> probably the FBI too depending on what you're doing i don't know but it definitely not, it's not about what you tell them it's about what you show them oh yeah oh yeah wow girlfriend this has been one of the most amazing conversations i've had on the podcast mm -hmm. i am so proud of you chasing your dreams and being this badass mother badass photographer and badass of a woman Oh, that and means so much coming from you. <laughs> a dear friend. And I commend you for everything that you're doing and anything that you need. I'm here to help. Um, I know you'll do the same for me. And I am blessed to know you. Um, it's been, um, I, I always laugh around you and, and not only laugh, but cry, but on a happy note, you know? cry from the place of victory I think and I always say that you know your adversities can be leveraged for your story and, and can be leveraged for your business just do it from a place of victory not victimry mm. and um, I just I just love everything that you represent everything that you 
are doing. You know, when you look at photography, you look at it as, ah, it's just another photographer. Mm -hmm. But you are a different breed of a photographer. That's uh, the nicest thing. It doesn't get better than that. You couldn't, you couldn't have called me anything better than that. <laughs> I, from Romania, bred from Romania. <laughs> I'm blessed to know you. So thank you so much for enlightening all of us, not just me, um, not just America. And I know someone from Romania, from across the globe, from anywhere in the world, whoever gets to listen to this will be like, oh, I, I just love her. So they're going to be like, I just love her. Where can I find her? So tell them where they can find you, which social media outlet you usually hang out, what your website is, so they can find you. So you'll find me on Facebook for sure, posting at two in the morning because that's when my kid is asleep and I'm like texting in bed. <laughs> um, I am on Facebook and on Instagram um, under Irina Negran. It's I-R-I-N-A and E-G-R-E-A-N or my website, irinanegran.com. Um, I, that's, I have Snapchat, but I wouldn't go on there. It's really lame and <laughs> uncool, <laughs> but Facebook and Instagram and that's about it. I think Are you, you're on LinkedIn too. I, I think so. <laughs> it's when, when I was trying to be something other than photographer. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really use LinkedIn. Maybe I should. I it's okay. I have, um, I'm going to put, add all those information on the podcast um, notes anyway, so they can find you, but it's always nice to hear. No one can, no one can spell this name. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, I sincerely appreciate our conversation. Stay, stay there, okay? I'm going to end recording, but. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.